stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. It's pretty unbelievable that here in 2019, we are able to watch in real time, not just on television, but via the Internet, uh, of the historic Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris, burning, burning before our eyes. It has stood for centuries and centuries and centuries, and it's up in flames today. We'll have more on that developing story uh, as it continues to play out in Paris. Here in Alberta, we are now a day away from Election Day. Tomorrow is Election Day here in the province of Alberta. And is it premature to think that we already know what's going to happen tomorrow? I mean, looking at the latest poll numbers, I don't know that really much has changed since the start of this campaign. It felt right from the get-go that everyone had kind of made up their minds. Maybe what we'd see was, in some respects, a replay of of the last election with the NDP able to garner somewhere in the neighborhood of 40% of the vote but being outnumbered by votes for right-of-center parties. This time around, though, the big difference is that the UCP exists, and it's not the Wild Rose and the PCs fighting over those votes. So in a weird way, Rachel Notley and the NDP could even do better than they did last time and still lose tomorrow. And it appears as though things are headed that way. Again, Let's be careful about making too many assumptions. We've been um, perhaps fooled in the past by the polls. But it's really hard to see how we get anything but a UCP government tomorrow. Obviously, that's going to mean a change in policy direction. But it's really going to potentially represent a whole change in our relationship with the rest of the country. Are we really sure that we want this this fight? Are we really spoiling for a fight? And do really we expect to get anything? from a more combative attitude. I think that's why the rest of the country watching all of this very closely. Joining us for some thoughts on this campaign, what might happen tomorrow and beyond. Very pleased to welcome the program. Freelance journalist Jen Gerson has a great uh, great piece up today at mcleans.ca. Also more at uh, jengerson.com. Follow her on Twitter at Jen Gerson. Jen, thank you for joining us here today. Thanks for having me. Uh, is it is it uh, a fool's game? Is it silly, Jen, to, to sit here today thinking we know what's going to happen tomorrow? I mean, it's always foolish in Alberta because, let's be blunt, this has probably been one of the most volatile electorates of any jurisdiction in Canada for the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, look, if you were to ask me to predict what's going to happen, what would I put the smart money on? Well, it's probably going to be a UCP government. There's, I don't think there's any real debate about that at this point. Um, I kind of disagree in the sense that, you know, nothing's really shifted since the beginning of the campaign. I mean, UCP had, you know, 20, 30 point lead not so long ago. And from what we can see, you know, that lead is down to the single digits now. So I think quite a lot shifted. Um, I think that the Bozo eruptions has really hurt them. And I do think that, you know, the NDP had the momentum going into the last two weeks of the race, but they just didn't seem to be able to capitalize on it or make it strong enough to overcome the I think overwhelming amount of anger and frustration and and, and panic that a lot of Albertans are feeling about the current state of the the province in Canada and about the economy more generally. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it depends where, where that shift is occurring. You're right. I mean, if, if some Calgary seats are, are up for grabs, it could make things interesting tomorrow. But if, you know, the UCP is losing support in areas where they're still strong, getting, you know, Canada getting 50% of the vote instead of 70% of the vote really exactly. doesn't change anything. And well, and also, this is also why it's so difficult to make predictions is because we have no baselines for a lot of the things we're seeing. Like, does one PC vote plus one Wild Rose vote equal two UCP votes? 
I mean, that's that's the prediction of which a lot of these models are based on. And we just don't know. Right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a crapshoot. Um, the other thing that's going to throw a giant black box into all of this is that, we, you know, we've had 700,000 voters turn out in the advance polls. You know, that could mean one of three different things. But essentially, 700,000 is the equivalent of 50 percent of the total numbers of total ballots cast in 2015. Are those advanced polls, you know, just cannibalizing the election day vote? Or are those new voters who have been activated, you know, like, and, and where do those voters go? Because I don't think polls necessarily are able to track that very effectively or very accurately. So, like, there's a lot of, I think, outstanding questions, and we're just not going to have the answers until tomorrow and probably not for a few days after that. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty clear sense that there's uh, a real anger that exists in Alberta. I think even last year's Olympic plebiscite was was kind of a preview of that, a bit of a snapshot of that. Uh, your piece today touches on that, that... We, we kind of are spoiling for a fight, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, uh, and here's, I'm very careful in my piece. I don't criticize Albertans for being angry. I think the anger that a lot of Albertans feel is totally 100% justified, and I completely empathize with it. Um, you know, we've been getting a bad deal from the rest of Canada for a very, very long time. Um, and the ongoing saga of these pipeline battles. I mean, you know, any Albertan should feel frustrated and angry about the fact that we just can't seem to get the bloody pipeline built. Um, So, like, there's no criticism from me about any of these issues at all. The, the, The thing that I'm raising for people in my column is just some of the proposals that the UCP has put forward in this campaign can't actually solve some of these problems. I, I get what they appeal to. They appeal to just a general sense of screw it. We need to fight back. We need to throw a punch. Um, this playing nice stuff isn't getting us anywhere, so we're just going to play mean. I get that emotion, but if you take your emotion out of it and you really start to analyze this on just a really you know, Vulcan-like strategic level, none of these promises actually get us further ahead, and some of them might potentially get us further behind. That's not me telling you to vote for the NDP or anything like that. That's not me telling you to vote any switch way. It is not my job to tell anybody how to vote. But it is my job to say, look, I don't think these policies are going to get us as far as we they think as people think they are. And I think that if you go into the ballot, you should go in there with some pretty realistic expectations about how far some of this stuff is actually going to get us. Well, I, I think you raised some good points. And in fact, as I was reading your piece today, it resonated with me at, at a number of levels, because I, I think just in terms of what Alberta needs, in terms of economic policy that might be good for Alberta, I, I think the UCP has a lot of interesting ideas and, and yeah. could per- perhaps make a, a real difference in, in getting our economy back on track. But, but how much of the go to war with Ottawa, go to war with BC, go to war with whoever else. What is that going to get us? And and I'm a little more leery about some of that. But let me put this to you, Jim, because I think it's an interesting question. You kind of get into it in your piece. If, for example, and some have raised the the possibility, I don't know if it's necessarily going to happen, but it's at least a possibility that that if Jason Kenney goes so far as to cut the, you know, axe the carbon tax, challenge the federal carbon tax we may back justin trudeau into a bit of a corner where he ultimately says no to the trans mountain pipeline are burdens okay with that trade-off the 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 federal government owns the trans mountain pipeline now they can literally just shut down the expansion for spite as long as justin trudeau is premier let's be clear about that 
Um, but what is very interesting to me is that if you go back a couple of weeks and read the Don Braid column about this very thing, it does seem to me like some federal liberals were back-channeling this exact point. It's not even so much the carbon tax. It's the fact that Jason Kenney's promised to rescind the 100 megaton um, uh, emissions cap on the oil sands. Uh, you know, you had some uh, off-the-record liberal sources telling Don Braid that, you know, our our purchase of the Trans Mountain Pipeline, our support of this pipeline is predicated on that megaton, on that emissions cap. So you get rid of that emissions cap, and essentially the, the deal's off. Alberta has no leverage on that file. Just, just, just let's be real blunt about this. They own the pipeline. <laughs> We've got no – all the referendums, all the court cases, all everything that you want to throw at this, they own the pipeline. So if you rescind that megaton cap, they can literally just say, eh, screw it. Shut it down. And, and by the way, they have no political reason, no political incentive to move forward with that pipeline. They're not going to get a vote or, or seat in Alberta, and they may potentially gain uh, seats in BC and Quebec by shutting the pipeline down. Right. And, so and you know, and, that's, that's yeah. the, that we're setting. It's not necessarily that I'm against throwing a punch, but if I get into a fight, I want to get into a fight I can win. I don't want to get into a fight where the other guy is like 200 pounds larger and holding the weapon. Right. And that's strikes me as the situation we're entering into on that particular megaton cap issue. Sure. And, and maybe some folks here would say, wow, they, they would have killed it anyway. But I, I wonder... if yeah. the pipeline. Like, this yeah. is one of the craziest conspiracy theories of all. If, if, if the Liberal government wanted to kill Trans Mountain, um, the Trans Mountain expansion, they literally had to do nothing. Kinder Morgan would have wrapped up the pipeline expansion and cut the entire project down, as they were threatening to do. And they could have, like, literally by not forking over a penny, they could have shut down that pipeline right then and there. So, like, this this conspiracy theory doesn't actually make any sense. Do you think that there are voters in Alberta who would be prepared to take that trade-off, that they would rather have Jason Kenney as premier, maybe even Andrew Scheer than as prime minister, if it meant the pipeline doesn't happen, versus having Notley and Trudeau and the pipeline going ahead? Yes, because I think people are so angry that they just want to take a punch. That's what I. That's where I think most people are right now, and if that's where you're at, man, that's where you're at. I ain't here to argue with your feelings. I get your feelings. The problem is, I'm just saying, just be conscious of the fact that if you're going to take start throwing punches, that the other guy is going to throw a punch back, and we might wind up being in a much much worse situation a couple of months from now than where we are today. How much of this do you think, though, is is campaign trail rhetoric? Jason Kenney knows how, how to play to, to this mood, to this atmosphere, and that perhaps once he's premier, he'll understand that the gravity of the situation. I'm really hoping a lot of it's campaign rhetoric, but I, my question is, is that what voters realize? Because I think there's a lot of really, really angry voters in, in this province right now, justifiably angry voters, and people are absolutely willing to start talking separation. And if Jason Kenney is telling them, basically a vat of snake oil and a lot of angry promises and he can't actually follow through on any of these things and he can't get any headway on some of these issues in the way he's claiming to today. What happens to that separate sentiment? And that's what makes me afraid as an Albertan. Where does the, like it's one thing to like make a bunch of promises on the campaign trail of this nature. But what happens when you make these promises and then you don't win? Right? Where does that leave people's anger six months from now, a year from now, two years from now? Winning and governing are two totally different things. Yeah. So he may so, be unleashing something that, that maybe he can't control or might get beyond his control. That's my concern. That's my genuine fear in all of this. 
Uh, by the way, and again, you know, we, it's coming across like we're talking like it's a foregone conclusion, as, as we said at the outset. It, not, it isn't necessarily. In terms, though, if it is, if, if we are talking about a UCB government, do, do you expect to see Rachel Notley remain, uh, you know, an opposition leader, a, a major presence here in Alberta? Where, where does Rachel Notley go from here if she is a one-term premier? Well, let's put it this way. What's a, what's a win condition for the NDP facing the type of uphill math that it's facing? Right. I mean, I don't think there's any dispute that uh, mathematically it's very improbable that they will be able to secure government. So let's just make that assumption. What's their win condition? Well, their win condition would have to be forming opposition and forming a healthy opposition. So if they can get between 25 and 35, maybe even 40, I mean, that's I don't think they'll get 40. But if they need somewhere in that kind of range of seats, then all of a sudden we now have um, an Alberta that is genuinely competitive with two viable parties. Um, the problem that I think that the NDP has is that their talent pool is still very thin, and I don't think that they can continue to build that viable ultra-progressive alternative without up, without not Notley's very popular. She's experienced now. People, even conservatives, really like Rachel Notley personally. Um, and the idea that you know you're just going to throw in uh, anyone else they have on their team and and try to replicate that lightning in the bottle seems very implausible to me. So I think that if you know if she's really committed to building up the NDP as a viable alternative to the UCP, she kind of has to stay on. Um, it's just a question of whether or not she's tired, right? As anybody yeah. would be. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, McLean's.ca, folks who read your piece there. Uh, Jen, appreciate your time here today, and I guess we'll see what happens tomorrow. Great. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. Jen Gerson, a freelance journalist, got a piece up today, as mentioned, at McLean's.ca. Follow her on Twitter, at Jen Gerson. I think she makes some interesting points. Look, don't get me wrong. I mean, none of this is to say that the NDP is deserving of another term. Far from it. And I think Jason Kenney and the UCP have some good ideas for how to get Alberta's economy back on track. But I think the concerns about, you know, let's take the fight to water. Well, what do we expect it to accomplish? And are we to the point where we are so cynical about the prospects for major pipeline projects that we're willing to take that risk? that Justin Trudeau would say no to it if we push back hard enough. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.